That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live at 8 o'clock in the evening on the east coast of the United States, 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning in Melbourne. And this is a yank on the footy, and we're going to be looking back at round number 10, as well as a you know, just kind of a minor story that kind of cropped up in the last uh, 12 to 16 hours. And uh, Ben Castle has, uh, has hopped on. Rick Schiavone is here. Ben is wearing that Ravens sweatshirt and no i as much as i want to just go ahead and delete him from the conversation here i'm gonna let him stay in the room uh even though he's wearing that uh being a a lifelong browns fan i just i loathe the ravens i'm sorry it's, i hate him <laughs> wasn't trying to wasn't trying to test your patience there no 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 that's fine i just i just love whenever i see it i just love giving people a hard time because steelers fans give me a hard time uh you know but uh you can't. You won't believe how many Steelers fans I've actually known growing up in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. I think you understand why. They all want to get out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Virginia, and there were. I mean, obviously, it's closer geographically, but there were so many Penn State fans and so many Steeler fans, and yeah, uh, it, it's <laughs> there's a uh, there's a lot of them everywhere you look. It seems like, and then I went to college in new mexico which has no pro teams at all and so it's just literally just take a bunch of random teams in a in a set of dice and shake them see where they land so (laughs) yep so uh you know we we have this uh interesting story that broke um overnight uh when i got up you know this morning and headed into work and uh, saw this and i thought holy cow i you know and and if you're listening to this after the fact and you don't know what story we're talking about, uh, well, you must be new to footy because uh, if you don't know about this, I, I, I am shocked and amazed if you don't. But uh, Damian Hardwick in about uh, 27 minutes from where we're talking right now is going to be holding a press conference where it's expected that he's going to be stepping away from the Richmond Tigers effective immediately. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know shock what was your reaction guys when you first heard this so you're actually going to be able to hear uh my reaction to it live because we were recording very late last night okay we doing, uh, our 99th episode of americans watching the footy for our All right. round 10 recap it was pure shock for me because richmond had been playing better these past couple weeks yes they lost another nail biter they have that terrible track record in close games as of late i think it's 09 and 3 in their past 12 games decided by a goal or less and 07 and 2 this season of uh, 07 and 2 since the start of uh since the start of last season but yeah. the timing for any of these midseason just step downs is always peculiar especially for a team that has been competitive for so long and had been in better form as of late despite never having their best 22 out there mm-hmm. i can understand Given those repeated close results, though, why there might be some burnout in addition to it being the end of the window for that premiership core that he had, Trent Cotchins near the end of his career, obviously, he stepped down for the captaincy. Dustin Martin has played much better these past couple weeks, but he's still on the older end of things, and those are the tip of the iceberg. 
Yeah, but I, there's, I, I agree with you there, Ben. I think, um, no, there's, uh, yeah, like, I think there's not really, like, it's, I think they're just stagnating, frankly. And, you know, everyone's adjusted to their style of play. You know, they can't really take the competition by surprise anymore. And we've, t obviously, it's there's a lot that's been said about, you know, Revolt, Kacha, and Dusty all getting up there. They're all probably going to be retiring soon i'd be shocked if at least one out of three of them doesn't you're right dusty's looked better the last few weeks since he's been you know pretty healthy and pretty consistent but yeah i mean losing in all these close games doing all the unrichmond like things like choking late and all the things we've come to expect from a demo coach team in terms of sloppy play giving away too many 50s not you know you know tom lynch can't stay healthy and he can't be you know He's not kicking five a week anymore, and neither is Jack Revolts. So they're clearly a team in transition. I am shocked that Dima didn't wait till the end of the year. I would have bet, if I was a betting man, I would have bet good money that, yeah, he can see the writings on the wall. They need to rebuild. They really, you know, we were talking on the live chat on Twitter uh, earlier in our fantasy league about – um. They haven't really drafted very well lately. I mean, Bolton's a keeper, obviously. Cumberlanders showed flashes. Pickett's a great success story. We all know about him, but he's not exactly young either because he had also remember. Also remember, they don't have their first rounder this year. Oh yeah, they oh trust. Me. Oh, Rick that certainly knows that. that. Rick knows that for damn sure. <laughs> oh yeah, right? you're, you're seeing that. You're seeing that. Uh, that first rounder maybe get a little. Better for you this week, but hmm. I mean, yeah, the the surprise is mostly that it's in the middle of the season rather yeah. than at the end. It's I remember uh, we had one of these last year as well with Leon Cameron stepping down from yeah, GWS yeah. after round yeah. nine. Yeah, even I was a little surprised that you know again the results were pretty mediocre, just like Richmond. We might have even had like a very similar record. It was it was close, but um. Again, Richmond is looking at potentially a bottom four finish. Maybe Hardwick just wants to get out while he can. But again, it does seem very counter to like what we know of him as a guy. And sadly, you know, Richmond's got Port next week. That's the schedule's not getting any easier. They're not really getting healthier. I mean, in terms of they just don't, I don't really see anybody in their VFL side that's really knocking down the door, ready to, you know, burst through and make a big. Uh, show of it so I think they do have a, a development problem right now they just don't have the young talent that Collingwood has or you know even to some extent Essendon you know they they proved that in the Dreamtime game that they have some guys you know they were they won that game without Darcy Parrish so I think Richmond needs to you know keep keep the ship upright for the rest of the season but to really develop a long-term plan because and we've seen how uh, Toronto and Hopper being big free agent additions, that's going to affect their salary caps. So you you wonder what they're going to be able to do list-wise as they look towards the future. That's a good point, yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I posted something a little snarky online because that I tend to go for the snarky. Because, you know, I'm, I, oh, I, yes, and I, and I kind of feel bad about this now because who am I going to sledge on? Because, I mean, I, for the last several years, I've, I've taken so much pleasure from giving the Tigers and, and uh, and Dima grief every time he pisses and moans about having to make that long trek to go play a home game at Marvel, you know, oh, whether it be against GWS or Gold Coast, you know, it's uh, 
it's so who am I going to? You know, maybe it's going to have to be Carlton now. You know, I, I don't know. But I was going to uh, say Voss is going to be Voss is going to be the easy target for a Victorian team. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. But you know, it's it's yeah because I posted something today. I said you know I, I'm hoping now that whoever it was that that placed that two leg multi on you know bet at the beginning of the season that that said that. Uh, that Brett Ratton and uh, Ben Rutten would both be senior coaches in 2023 should have enough money to fly me over there for the party and to go to a game as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess Rutten sounds like he's not getting the caretaker position. It's going to be uh, Andrew McWalter. That's going to be taking it. I was, almost hoping it would, yeah. I was almost hoping it would be David Teague for even more laughs. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is one of the resistance. Well, they, no, I know. Well, they, maybe, maybe he and uh, he and Rutten could have been, you know, co-senior coaches. <laughs> you know, North yeah. Melbourne has co-captains, so you know, it, it maybe it could be done. North and have co-captains. North have co-captains. Brisbane have co-captains. Sydney yeah. have, however many captains. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's, yeah. I, I and I, looking at this now, and as I mentioned to Rick, just you know, as we were starting out, I, I think it's. Uh, you know, the, the person that is taking the most pleasure from this is probably heading to the MCG this week to play Richmond in Kenny mm-hmm. Hinckley because he's now thinking, okay, you know what? If Port wants me to stick around, they might have to pony up a few more years because there's going to be a spot open in Richmond. There's likely to be a spot opened, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, maybe, maybe on the Gold Coast, possibly. I don't, you know. Who knows? I will note. Will note. Adam Simpson is under contract until twenty twenty five, and their and their uh, their salary cap yeah. situation isn't great. Right. I, I saw just uh, just earlier today that Trevor Nisbet announced that he'll be stepping away after next mm-hmm. season. So mm-hmm. there's change brewing there. The longtime CEO is going to be stepping down. I think he's had that post since nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, they they've had a lot of long term leadership at the top at West Coast, but um. Yeah, no, I think Hinkley, uh, you know, he he's sitting pretty right now. I think um, Port did a great job in really rainy conditions this last week. They've got, oh, yeah. they've got Boke and Dixon coming back. Um, I Boke mean, was, at, um, Boke was subbed out with a sub injury. Is his prognosis okay? Uh, well, I saw something just uh, this morning actually that that Dixon and Boke might be cleared for next week. Uh, so we'll see. Awesome. How, how they're traveling? Yeah. Um and. And also, I think, um, you know, we might need to be starting to talk about Zach Butters as a Dark Horse Brownlow contender because he is, and Rosie is taking a lot of credit in the midfield. Horn Francis has looked really good. I think mm-hmm. um, that's been the engine. Uh, the engine room has been the engine to port success this year, really. But um, they've had a lot of injuries. They've had Their depth has been tested, and they've had to win in tough environments on the road. But And, of course, we know how good they are at home. But... They've won uh, quite a few on the trot. They're looking like a top four side. Now, are they flag worthy? I don't know yet, but I think um, the power are definitely looking really, really strong right now. And again, they've got a chance to beat up on a lame duck Richmond uh, coaching group next week. Right. I think it's going to be a really interesting, I think they're in a really good spot heading into the bye or the, the bye rounds. Cause of course all the teams have buys coming up in the next fortnight or so. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the power in are in really good shape overall. Yeah. Seven wins on the trough report and you're right. Their depth has been tested. No Charlie Dixon this past week. Scott Lysette just came back in and held his own against Max Gone and Brody Grundy was disruptive enough to affect 
contest to affect enough meaningful contests in that one. And yeah, that new look midfield is doing really great things. It's also allowing for more flexibility in terms of Ollie Wines getting some half forward flank time. Yeah, Travis, but Travis Boak on the, yep. the wing has been a revelation that could give him another year or two. And I think you're really seeing good things out of Port's. I think this is just a good referendum on Port's development and recruiting these past few years. And yeah. And also, you can tell that Hankley's got a very good relationship with those players. It's not just with Horn Francis, and that's, of course, a very meaningful relationship to have because right. the lack of that was part of the reason why he left North in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, no, yeah, they, they've done a really good job uh, just kind of playing to their strengths. You know, they always play a really physical and fast-paced and entertaining brand of footy. It just doesn't always show up in the wins column. And I think... Uh, yeah, Hinkley's done a good job at not just, you know, keeping the players focused and and continuing to develop those kinds of relationships, but throwing the magnets around and being innovative. You mentioned Wines and Burn Jones has been good when he's been moved forward. And I think uh, Ryan Burton is another guy. You know, he's kind of a veteran who doesn't really get the accolades that he should in the back line. They've, they've got some real talent there, and a lot of it flies under the radar because – you don't typically think of of those guys when you think of Port superstars, but they've all contributed, and they're they're playing a really exciting brand of footy. Yeah, um, well, Burton has been a lot. Burton and Burn Jones has been this mm. amazing pressure half forward, and has kicked all these all these two goal performances despite not having them in his first hundred fifty or however games. They've been allowed to push forward because of a combination of two youngsters back there, Miles Bergman and Dylan Williams. You can't talk about you know the older guys' success without seeing which magnets have been able to, to stick on the younger side. And Bergman had a rough start to the season, but has become more and more secure in his defensive one-on-ones. And I'm glad that Williams is getting the chances that he did, because I liked his form with the reserves. Speaking of teams that got off to a slow start, um, no, not not uh, not the Cats, Craig. Sorry, but they, but they um, did. They, they did. <laughs> but I have to give a shout out, unfortunately, to the guys that beat the Cats. Uh, wow, you a Fremantle. Because yeah. uh, no, I I think um you know now Frio's won three on the trot, and as everyone and their mother is talking about, they've scored over a hundred in each of the last three games and yeah it hasn't always been pretty but they're they're playing with a lot more confidence they've opened up the playbook a little bit more so to speak and they're they're kind of you could almost feel like they were overthinking it early in the season they they just felt they were putting themselves under too much pressure and now they're kind of you know they're getting healthier the forward line is finally functional again we've seen some you know, Frederick has looked much better. Switkowski and Amos, of course, everyone's excited about him. Maybe oh, yeah. finally being the guy who can take over that Matthew Pavlich well, forward and, role. And, and that's that's a young man that right there, unfortunately, has newspaper headlines already built into his name should things not go well for him. I mean, that's just, I mean, it, 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 it already writes itself. So he hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully he has figured that out. Uh, ahead of time, realizing that's probably going to come sometime down the road where he has a really bad day. But you know, right. I, I wanted to I, before we dive into the other games, I wanted to go back to 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 the Hardwick thing 
a little bit because you know because Ben, I, I read your your tweet online about Tom Morris, and I know Tom Morris is not the most warm and fuzzy individual. I'm not I'm not a huge fan, but you know, knowing your brother, you know, working in the media as well, and and I just I my irritation is my irritation is less with with Morris. I mean, it's that it's that Morris was able to get the scoop in some way that that is irritating me because I'm still bewildered at how he was able to get back into the media so quickly and with so few repercussions for the kind of conduct that yeah, that's, 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 cer- that's certainly fair that's certainly I fair. Mean, obviously look a scoop is a scoop this is one of the biggest scoops out there oh yeah and props to him for getting in the way he did i just i'm just displeased with that the rat went to him that he oh, was there yeah. that he was there to, to be able to even be in that position to do it i yeah i, I certainly can see that yeah, yeah that's the twofold thing there no, I and yeah, like Morris, you're you're absolutely right. He he, no one he's he's persona non grata, and I don't think anyone's happy that he's back back in the AFL media so quickly. But regardless of who he is as a person, uh, yeah, like I mean, Hardwick should have known that the second it it was leaked, someone was going to leak it, you know, or and the second it was out, the cat would be out of the bag. So I oh. think, uh, yeah, no, there's. It should have been handled better on both ends, I definitely think, because, um, yeah, like it was going to be front page news regardless of who broke it. And mm-hmm. everyone inside the four walls of Richmond should have been aware of that. So and, and I, I heard think, a, um, I heard a clip with him on SEN where he said that he did reach out to the club. And then he did try to he did send a message to Damian Hardwick and Hardwick did not respond to him. And the club did not get back to him either for confirmation on this or or to basically you know give him any. Yeah, I think he had the confirmation that he needed, but he, he they didn't they didn't give him any kind of feedback on it. So so I mean, I don't think, you know, if 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 Craig Hutchinson finds out that he's got this story and he sits on it and yeah. it gets it gets broken by somebody else. Is Morris exactly. out? Lo- is out more Morris out looking for a job again the next day? Right. You know, if he doesn't do it, I mean, I, I you know, I, 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 I guess maybe it was kind of a necessary evil from you know somebody who might be described as being a necessary evil, uh, or maybe an, unne- an unnecessary evil, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, but it's it's it was a huge story, uh, and and I I didn't I'm thinking to myself, hey, had I known about it and somebody had confided to me, I'm sure I would have put it up on my, on my Twitter page. And I'm Ben, I'm sure that, you know, you may have done so as well. Yeah. You know, if, if we had heard about it, it just, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, that would have been, you know, would have given us some street cred. If that was, the, <laughs> it's a big time. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But you know, it's, I, I just, I, I'm, I guess I'm sad to see him go, but, it, but if, if he is, worn down to a nub if you will and he's recognizing that then then it's certainly it's okay i guess to step away and 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 it leads me to not another coach but another player or a player because you're starting to hear rumbling now from people you know and i was was even hearing this before hardwick stepped away but you know people talking about you know should buddy franklin step away from the game mid-season well put on a much better performance this week, um, you know, people were really cry- criticizing him for the performance he had a couple weeks ago. Turned out he was pretty ill coming into that game, and yeah, I heard it was that, selfless yeah. of him to volunteer himself to play regardless. But 
got the better of Ben McKay in that three-point win, kicked three goals to put him even with Doug Wade for fourth all-time. So he's clearly still got something left in the tank. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, and, 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 and they're desperate for argument. Yeah, you can make an argument that that was that more than anything lifted Sydney over the line because not only are they continuing to have injury issues this time with Callum Mills, McDonald got hurt. Um, they they are seriously in in trouble in terms of the injury front. We've we've seen that and a three point win over North on what was basically a technicality. Those. Those three buddy goals counted a lot more than three regular buddy goals would have counted, put it that way. Because uh, the, the Swans really should consider themselves incredibly lucky there. Obviously, we we saw that controversy with the Ruse. Um, really unfortunate for them. They just cannot catch a break. And... I don't think it's a controversy. It's just a fact. The Swans <laughs> won because of the number 76. Yeah, yeah and well, they yeah. It's it's crazy to, to think that a game is won or lost on that. But again, I don't think Sydney, you know, I don't think they're going to be content with a very narrow win over the Ruse is my point. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I look at that game and, and I watch that one. Uh, I watch that one live. Um, yeah. yeah. I did not, I, unfortunately. But. Yeah, I was I was up for I was up for like 23 hours straight on from early Saturday morning until early early sunday morning before i went to bed for about another four hours to get up then and watch uh the three games that were on 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 sunday morning here but you know well that ended up being the the deciding situation you know that something happened after that which is still you know i'm still trying to wrap my head around you know it's a call that typically doesn't get made and it was it wasn't you know the uh, the ruck infringement on Goldstein, which you know that kind of thing happens a dozen times a game during the middle of the first quarter, second, third quarter, but you're down to the last forty seconds of the game, and you're going to decide to blow the whistle on it then, when that mm-hmm. sort of thing has been going on all day. I just I that that part. I mean, I once I figured out what happened with the interchange thing, and once they showed the explanation of it and showed Dane Rampy hopping off the bench and going, "Hey, yeah, that's what's." You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he wanted to go down and climb one of the, you know, climb one of the the goalposts, but they thought not eh, really the time. Um, but you know, once that happened, I was like, "Okay, you guys, you, you screwed up there." But that 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 part when I go, that Colin Goldstein was the one that I just really thought was like, "Gosh, that's a really ticky tack foul, if you will." You know, what you might call it in the NBA. It is, yeah. and given the time of game, there's even more controversy around it. I just don't like the idea that you call a game, that you make calls differently depending on the when? time of the game or the time of the season. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it's a questionable call, but if they thought they saw it, then, I mean, you blow the whistle. I'm not entirely happy with the call either, and who knows what could have happened in those 37 seconds. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's what it was, happened then. It's unfortunate for North, you know, another hurdle that they had that they have to overcome. Some good signs are there. Was was really happy to finally be able to see Harry Sheasel and George Wardlaw out yes, there yes. at the same time. Yeah, you also had uh, another couple youngsters in there. Blake Drury showing up as well. Nearly kicked the first goal himself. So uh, Bailey Bailey Scott had uh, thirty three disposals. Yeah. Ethan and I had been talking about who had needed to be that next guy up with Luke Davies-Uniac being down to be able to play alongside Jai Simpion 
in the middle of the ground going through the corridor. And clearly Bailey Scott is ready to be that guy. Right. And, uh, and even some other guys who, uh, who've been lost in the shuffle there, including, uh, a guy with an amazing name, Phoenix Spicer. Um, he had six tackles, uh, about 10 disposals as small forward kind of guy. Um, you know, I, I think um, you wonder how the week's events with Clark uh, affected their performance. You wonder how if they were extra motivated to kind of really play hard because Clark, you know, first game since he's temporarily stepped aside uh, or indefinitely stepped aside, I should say. Right, but, right. Um, you, you wonder um, you wonder how this will carry over because obviously such a narrow loss for a team that's young and barely knows how to win to begin with. Let's let's be blunt here. You know, yes, I think yeah. Is that going to be psychological in terms of sticking in their head and making them drop a lot of close games down the stretch? Or is it going to really galvanize them? And are those youngsters really going to continue to take a step forward? Because if you're a North fan, you, whoever's in charge, whether it's Clarko or whoever, you just want proof of concept at this point. The wins mm-hmm. are going to be hard, good point. But you, want, but you want guys who can put butts in seats like Wardlaw, like Larky, like Simpkin. Like LDU, I know LDU. Um, he he was out, wasn't he? Yes. Oh yeah. He, of course he was because he's on my he's on my fantasy team. He, right. He, right. <laughs> even though I've won um, three in a, I won three in a row, but last week does not really count. Yeah. Uh, I, um, last week does not. <laughs> but no, I think um, I think you know North is is going to show some more signs of life heading forward. Um, it's just a question of can they actually bank some actual wins down the stretch. Yeah. So. Well, I, mean, I, I, so tipped, I tipped North in that game last week. Cause I just, I just thought that with the, uh, with, you know, Clarko's little, or little tirade that I guess took place post game in the, in the changing rooms, um, uh, supposedly some furniture got thrown. Um, I did that once in my life, but I, I got a, it was, uh, yeah. Um, I got a new podium out of it in my classroom. There was nobody else in the room at the time, but I did get a new podium. Uh, I'll tell I'll you about. I'll, ta- I'll tell you about that one off air, uh, but uh, yeah, it just it's. Uh, I just really thought that that they were going to just go into it and kind of playing, you know, kind of playing loose and dumb, if you will, as you said, not knowing how to win. Maybe dumb's not the right word, and just and just maybe just put it together and and have a you know a, a hell of a game, despite the fact that they don't necessarily know how to win yet. And they almost pulled it off. Yeah. And and also, um, also a fun fact. Um, I forget what year the rule was changed, but the maximum number of interchanges used to be much higher. I believe it was 90. It was 90, not a couple years ago. And before that it was 120. So that's a, that's something where this game could have gone the other way five years ago. Crazy. Mm -hmm. It was also a North, versus Sydney game that caused the inter that caused the uh rule change that allowed the interchange stewards to signal to the to the controlling umpires on the field, hey, they committed a breach. Because there was a game, I think back in round six, two thousand eight, I talked about this on the episode as well, where Sydney ended up having a messed up interchange. They ended up with nineteen on the field for about a minute and tied a game that they ended up drawing with North. Wow. Because of that behind. That's I was gonna say. Uh, ben is amazing with the stats, so I'm not surprised that he was able to dig into the history books for for that one. I want to find vision of this game to to see it. You know how it 
came about in real time. Unfortunately, watch AFL replays only go back to 2017. Right, yeah. right. Hey, at least I can watch a time when the Eagles were actually good. <laughs> well, that, that's true. That's true. Uh, and speaking of. Oh, here we go. No, 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 no. I, I just, I, have you started to, have you started to look at the other clubs draft capital yet? Figuring what can you reap for Harley Reed, realizing that 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 one pick is not going to restock the shelves. I think North is going to be the obvious target there because I think Hawthorne is going to be pretty content with the position that they're at with what their youngsters have shown. Was glad to see Josh Weddle get the Rising Star nomination from mm-hmm. this round. You can take. Hawthorne's performance this past week with however many grains of salt you want. You can take it with the entire Bonneville salt flats for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to take, but I hope the Eagles are aggressive with it. I all, I also have, have said this online. I kind of hope that Harley Reed just pulls an Eli Manning or Eric Lindros and says, I'm not going to play for that loser organization. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, if, I think if, Harley Reed's going to end up at North, and I hope somebody presents it with a number seventy six jumper. Well, if um, I mean, <laughs> if no one has, uh, I mean, if the fact that no one's coming forward and accusing West Coast of tanking after that performance against Hawthorne, I mean, I it, it, was, it was just. <laughs> I think. Um, I, I think. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, Hawthorne is is in a better spot overall. Like Sam Mitchell, he everyone loves him there. He, he he's he's gonna have time to to develop it the way he wants to develop it and you know build that to pop up. But I think uh West Coast, you know, it's it's uh gonna be interesting to see how you know if, if Reed really does end up there, who else they can grab in the draft and um you know the other guys who when they're finally healthy, can actually still be around when the dust settles at the end of the year. And as you mentioned, Simpson has two years left on his deal. Um, you know, they've basically said he's guaranteed to return. Um, you just wonder how much longer they're going to be able to uh, to uh, sustain it because it's it, they're a proud club. They've got a, a <laughs> absolutely, and they've got the largest membership base. They've got a huge waiting list for office stadium tickets. Um, we, you know, the family friends that we have in Perth. Um, they had been on the waiting list for a decade plus, then finally got in uh, when Opta Stadium opened in 2018. And so I was talking to this friend. This is one of my mom's uh, friends from college, actually, who's living out there now. Um, She said she didn't watch. The season's been way too painful. They go to the games that are there, but they don't torture themselves with the televised games. I told them, good call. But (laughs) I I want an external review of pretty much the entire footy base of the club. I've been calling for one for strength and conditioning and the medical staff considering the, per, per, the persistent uh, soft tissue problems that a lot of players have, including but not limited to Luke Shuey. And yes, it's tough to implement a new game plan when you've got so few players that are actually healthy in order to really have it come to fruition. But to be embarrassed the way you did, the way you were against the club that was below you on the ladder just barely should be as clear a sign as any that there's I don't think the commitments all there there were probably I'd say about a third of the players that were dressed for the game actually gave a damn 
Yeah. Do and you? Unfortunately, one of them is hurt now. One of my favorites, and also on my fantasy team in Jermaine Jones. Yeah. Are you? Uh... And and, if and the I know make finals again before twenty thirty. I'll be shocked. Twenty thirty. Gosh, I'll be I'll be six. I'll be sixty seven years old then. Good lord. I'll be thirty. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't remember 30. Um, but, uh, are you at a point in time now where as much as you hate to state it publicly, do you wish Ben that, that you could hit a fast forward button and get to the, uh, you know, the, the Monday after the grand final and start working on, you know, deconstructing the list and having the guy from the zoning department finally come up and hang the, the condemned sign on the outside of the clubhouse, basically saying that this thing needs to be torn down and rebuilt finally. In terms of my stance on the Eagles, that's pretty much the case, but I'm just so invested into the league and, and the oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I, that I'm really looking forward to what the rest of the season will bring for just everybody else involved. I do also hope that, there's at least some pull from some Western natives that are out of contract that they may want to give themselves a chance with the Eagles. I know that, for example, you know, Mitch Georgiotis from Port tore his ACL, but mm -hmm. he's going to be out of contract. And I could definitely see West Coast trying to take a flyer on him. He's You can see that he's played his best in the past when he's been playing close to a, a key forward like Charlie Dixon. So maybe they could try to pair him with Oscar Allen. Yeah. That's a good point. And I mean, Allen is one of the greatest positives from this team as well, and it's unfortunate that he's in this hellhole. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's worth a shot. Um, I think, uh, you know, again, you, you don't want to, but then again, you don't want to do what Richmond's doing in terms of the Hopper and Toronto trade. Like, I, I hope West Coast. Um, no, they they need to build through the draft, but like, yeah, a couple a couple smaller scale better, uh, smaller scale pieces that you know aren't exactly super seasoned veterans those could be sensible still you know keep it on the younger side i want this team to have to be much younger next year than it is now and as as much as i love that old premiership core it's time for them to cut their losses i've been calling for them to deem that newy inactive and basically say i'm sorry but you're done yeah it's it's tough to see all those guys who've you know been, been great servants to the club whether they were part of the flag team or not just uh I just yeah. remember I knew he didn't actually get a premiership medal. He was hurt that year. It was That's Scott Lester. He was the Ruckman. That's true. That's true. It's uh, it's been a rough few years for him. But uh, yeah, I mean they 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 do have to cut their losses, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the off season. Yeah, it is. Uh, and and I think that they are, you know, in a way, I think that they're starting. They're they're looking at what Hawthorne is doing. What north melbourne has done as far as tearing it down to the studs to to try to rebuild although although you could even you know you could even make an argument with what gws has done where they have done kind of a a bit of a a renovation on the fly if you will um yeah. you know where they've they've brought in some some young talent you know shipping out you know the the you know hopper and toronto to uh to richmond but they you know they even though they're not in the most enviable spot on the ladder this at this point in time this year, they have still been a compet. I mean, they've been a competitive club all year. I mean, yeah, and other I than the, uh, yeah. other than the lasting at the hands of Collingwood a week ago last uh, last Sunday, um, mm -hmm. 
when Mason Cox had one of the best games of his career, which was pretty awesome to see, of course. But other than that, their biggest margin in any game has been 21 points. And, you know, they have they have time to learn how to close out games. You're seeing different younger spots be, being good in different weeks. I've liked the progress of Xavier O'Halloran this year in particular. He's gotten much more time on the ball, and he's one of the longer, more penetrating kicks as well. This past week, though, it's been Kieran Briggs that I was really impressed with. Matt Flynn had really stagnated, being that first-rate ruck, and Briggs brought energy and also was able to really contest with Rowan Marshall, which is no easy feat, and I'm glad he got a goal for as a reward for his efforts. I hope that when Brayden Proust comes back healthy, Briggs is still able to hold down that ruck two spot. Yeah, I, um, you know, there, there's there's never been a question in my mind uh, as a giant supporter that we, we've done a good job at developing the young talent that we have. I mean, Briggs was very, very raw when he first got to the club and, you know, definitely. I remember wasn't. seeing it the first few years. Yeah, definitely wasn't the highest rated uh, guy that we that we had compared to, you know, guys like Lockie Ash or O'Halloran or people like that. But um, no, yeah, uh, you know, Giants came oh so close against the Saints on the weekend. Uh, again, there was that controversial late 50 that was uh, a little borderline, but I don't know. It, I, it was still, uh, I still had a feeling that St. Hilda would close that one out regardless. But yeah, I mean, like it, it was, you know, there, there was definitely, um, you know, Kingsley has definitely been developing the list well um and again like it's just a question of uh avoiding those narrow losses heading forward and unfortunately we've got Geelong at Geelong this weekend and we know how good they are there so but you got them there in 2021 yeah overall there's been uh encouraging signs and I think we're we're going to compete in every game and uh oh yeah you are you most definitely are and and you know and Let's be honest. You know the cats. The cats are not the cats right now. They, I mean, their their midfield is just it's ugly right now. Uh, it is. And it's, yeah. yeah. It's tough I to uh, see. I posted on one of the cats message boards over the weekend. I, I might have put it somewhere else as well. But I, I I asked, is it possible for the league to actually construct one of those like the pneumatic tubes that you have at the drive-through bank, where you send the little the little container up the tube and into the bank so that you can do your banking can we get something like that from the defensive 50 just to send the ball into the forward 50 and just completely bypass having to take it through the midfield because we suck right now we're awful i mean i I could have easily seen they could have easily been exposed last season had they not been so high scoring this was something that ethan was getting on as well but Mm -hmm. yeah they've they've been exposed with a lack of depth there danger field and Cam Guthrie being out certainly hasn't helped, among other things. And, well, and, then, and then Clark, you know, his first game gets, you know, hurts his ankle in his first game because he certainly would have played last week against Fremantle had he not dinged up his ankle. I could understand the Selwood comparisons with Clark right away with the way he attacks the ball. I'm just waiting for him to get the blood rule and headband treatment. Yeah. Also, um, uh, it looks like uh, Stengel might finally be back. So well, he, was, he was back this past week, yeah. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was. Um, little rusty still, you know, coming back. Obviously, um, really just thinking about that those early Saturday games in general. The the name that's on my mind from all of those is Scott, and actually, um, because in 
because with Geelong, I, I was really I was questioning some of Chris Scott's coaching decisions. Why was he sending Jack Henry forward when they were having enough trouble containing those Fremantle runs through the corridor? Right, right. Docker, Dockers are getting back to the style where that suited them best last year, and they needed some more support back there, and Henry could have provided that. We talked about Bailey Scott in the North Melbourne game, and I'm not sure how much we're going to be talking about the Dogs and Crows because that game wasn't remarkable. But Anthony Scott has been on a tear lately. And, you know, mature age recruit from a few years ago has now scored goals in five straight games. Doesn't ever get huge possession numbers, but is a really smart user of the ball in the forward half. And I've liked how Luke Beveridge has also, you know, moved some of the magnets around this year. Caleb Daniel has become this strong, small half forward, providing just something different there when otherwise they've got so much height and we already, yeah, yeah. we already knew that he was such a good kick on both feet. It makes sense to be able to throw him forward at times when you've got a new back third developing with Liam Jones back and Richards getting stronger. So I really like what the Bulldogs are doing. And they're honestly looking like they might actually crack the top four for yes, the first time in Luke Beveridge's tenure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hasn't done it before. Yeah, um, they, they did uh, They did lose uh, Johannesson to a bad hammy injury, it looks like. But... Overall, yeah, I, agree. I think I think the doggies um their 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 form has been pretty positive as of late. I mean, again, uh, you know, Bonham Pally gets all uh the hype in in their uh in their starting twenty two. But yeah, I think uh, overall they're they're um you know doing what they're having to do, and I think uh, it's easy to lose them in the shuffle just because a lot of the other uh, Victorian clubs have really been performing strongly, like your Collingwoods, you know, your Essendon's. Uh, St. Hilda's, but I think the doggies they're they're going to be in the mix now. I I think they still have some question marks. I'm still not. I I don't like them in a shootout. Like if they get in a shootout against Collingwood or against Brisbane in in September, I do not like their chances. But uh, you know, Josh Bruce is hopefully going to return a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, if not. Trelaw should be back soon as well. Anyway, yeah, Trelaw should yeah, be back soon as well. Gonna... What yeah, the world are they going to do with him at this point? Because with Bailey Smith getting yep. more possessions, he's looking yeah. even better. So is Trelor going to be that kind of follower and pressure guy now? Or are they going to try to slide him into halfback, especially with Johannesson out? Nice problems to have, though. Nice problems yeah. to have. Yeah, I, I think they're in pretty good shape. Um, now, again, they uh, they ben- on the weekend, they benefited from uh, – Adelaide not being able to kick straight to save their lives, but I mean I they didn't they didn't kick kick all that straight either. Yeah, I think um I think it's a really interesting they uh the doggies are heading to Darwin uh this weekend to take on the Suns. So I think that's um gonna be a really interesting game. Frankly, a, a must-win game for both sides. So I think um the doggies are, are looking good overall, but again, I I don't trust them yet against a real flag contender. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I must uh, pause on that discussion for a moment. Ethan just texted me and said, Max Holmes has torn his meniscus. Ooh. That's rough. Yeah. So, that midfield gets even better. Uh, not not good to see. Uh, yeah, he's he's such a great player. He was having a... Yeah, he was, he was emerging. Wow. wow. That player. is another, quote, medium term absence coming up for good grief so i'm just looking at the weather for darwin this weekend while while you were giving me that wonderful news there nice um yeah (laughs) 
I'm trying to get the 10 day forecast to come up here. Let's see. 10 oh, it's, days. it's always fun when they play up there. It's that's a great stadium. I, I've been yeah. there a few times. Let's see. Looking at, I think it's is that the, the Saturday night game. I'm just trying to get um, the, the ad to close now. So, um, come on now. There we go. Uh, Saturday high of 31. So that's 62, ooh. about 94 degrees. So, beautiful. Uh, Great footy weather, <laughs> but only but only a one percent chance of rain. And uh, 20... well, Saturday it's let's see, Saturday two twenty five a.m. Pacific time, so that's going to be uh, uh, I guess like six fifty five p.m. bounce there because they're on the same time as uh, Adelaide, yeah. Australia, I believe. So yep. yeah, it should be should be eighty degrees. It should be about eighty degrees Fahrenheit and uh, climbing down a little bit as the game goes on there. So, and nice apparently was, well, apparently it was four degrees in Ballarat, or at least that's what I heard. So, how do you like that for a shift from one week to the next? Yeah, does look like there'll there'll be some some wind picking up to the northwest. So you could watch for that to affect some of the kicks there. Ethan and I have been talking about you know with these smaller stadiums, the wind plays even more an even more important role we've, we've seen oh, that yeah. from the dogs multiple times with all the alternate sites they've had between ballarat and canberra and launceston last year mm-hmm. oh, yeah. launceston again this year too tell yes. me about it uh yeah those, those bone chilling winds down in the tasmanian winters but um <laughs> yeah i um no i think uh yeah sun's doggies that's that could be a really intriguing game so how in the world have we not talked about dream time yet by the way well, Ooh. that's well. We we did indirectly. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> we we talked about it in terms of like kind of indirectly with with Damian Hardwick, but not really yeah. about the game itself. That was a hell of a game. Yeah, I mean, that's one that I I the principal at the school where I teach is is, is an Essendon supporter, and he was uh, he uh, he'll probably be listening to this as well. So, how you doing, Jeff? Um, but I texted him after the game got done and i told him i said i'm not saying a word but i said this was an awesome game he was he was watching his son's baseball game that morning uh so he went back they because his sons have started watching a little bit of footy with him as well so which awesome. is which is really cool yeah he's yeah, yeah he's got, I, um no that was uh you know such a gutsy performance and uh you know uh, it, and and the the veterans you know the, the guys who really stood up in the final few minutes when it counted you know you saw uh, Dyson Heppel take a mark. You saw Mason Redmond get involved. Jake Stringer, of course, had the big kick to Durham in the goal square at the final, almost at the final gun. So, I mean, and you I was know, so scared. I was scared that, that Stringer was going to try to play hero ball and kick from the impossible angle. But that's the thing. At the, last year's Essendon would have panicked. They would not have been able to pull off a win like that at the final 90 seconds. And, uh, and, of ben, course, and, ben Rutten, and Ben Rutten would have had no expression. Well, yeah. you saw. Oh, they also would have. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean you. You remember what happened when they when they led with like thirty seconds to go against Collingwood. Yeah, okay. it's um they're a maturing side, and mm-hmm. and I think you know Brad Scott is doing what they asked him to do. He's um you know again that they they know they're not a flag contender yet, but that doesn't prevent them from just running their guts out and and to do it without Darcy Parrish to do it with um where some of you know the again those veteran guys had to step up alongside the young kids like Durham and the guys no Parrish, you haven't had Zach Reed this year no two meter Peter yet Sam Sam Wiedemann's really been that that key target and really they're hasn't they're doing this without 
a key defender in the first place. And that's clearly going to be the biggest need that they're going to try and address, whether it's in the trade period or in the draft to get that tall key defender because Brandon Zerg Thatcher can't get embarrassed week after week like this. Um, and um, this is also worth mentioning um, that they have a chance to really boost their percentage heading into the bye week because they have West Coast and they have North back to back. So the yeah, Bombers Essendon has that, and then Collingwood has the reverse of that. Yeah, the, the, I have the, a, the Bombers could definitely be in a really good position um, if if they. Uh, just continue staying focused one week to the next, stay healthy, and just play aggressively. Like, for so long, we, we, we knew that Essendon just didn't have that killer instinct, or at least they didn't have it consistently. And with Brad Scott, obviously, we knew that um, they were going to be playing some scrappy footing. They were going to get under your skin, and they were also going to be able to, you know, score off turnovers and, mm-hmm. and be able to get everyone involved uh, all around the ground. So I think, uh, their, their brand of footy is, is really exciting to watch. And, um, yeah, like I said, they've got a real chance to boost their percentage and really cement their spot into eight as, uh, as the season rolls on. So, so before we wrap up, you know, I, Rick, I, I, you may not want to talk about this, but, uh, I did want to ask if you wanted to share a little bit about what you've been doing over the last, week week and a half or so because you've been doing you've been doing something that you know maybe a lot of people would like to try to do or at least be involved in or be at that location but is that something you want to talk about or should i just edit this out of here at the end or <laughs> i'll mention it briefly uh, okay we head back to uh to like our predictions or our tips for the next round but uh because i know you want to talk about that craig as always but um yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, it, it was an amazing opportunity. I got a chance to go to uh, the Cannes Film Festival and, like, the concurrent film market there for work. Uh, I was there for a week, and or almost a week. I um, My company's based in Switzerland, so I flew over there, uh, worked in the Swiss office for, like, a day, and then drove six hours to Cannes with my bosses. And uh, it was definitely a work trip, a lot of meetings, a lot mm-hmm. of jet lag but uh you know it's it's it was a dream come true in terms of being able to uh be able to go to con and and uh have a really uh amazing time exploring that part of the world and being able to uh, uh just really be immersed in in uh what's happening in the film business because uh yeah it was it was really fun and uh didn't get a chance to get into any screenings because uh there's a very very long wait list and you people will give their right arm to get into a screening and con, of course. But no, it was a, a really fun experience, and I got back yesterday. So uh, it, it's been really fun, and uh, now uh, back into the swing of things, working remotely. So, uh, so yeah, I can't, I can't complain. So you're not telling us that Ollie Henry was trying to find a way to get into one of those screenings, were you? Oh, uh, uh, I mean, he he gave a right something, I think, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I I heard about his unlucky injury. That's uh, that's a real shame. Uh, best of luck, Ollie. We're we're hoping for a solid recovery there. Yes, I, absolutely. Ben, your reaction was priceless there. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point in time in my life where you know I my filter that more often than not filters out what I think and what I say. It sometimes it gets clogged, kind of like the uh, the fu- the fuel uh, the fuel filter in my my lawnmower. Uh, so every time I, I need to bounce my lawnmower every once in a while to get it running. So, yeah. So what game 
are you looking forward to this week? And uh, is there a bold prediction you're wanting to make about one of the games? Are you are either one of you going to take uh, North Melbourne against Collingwood? <laughs> I almost did it last year. And then David Noble still got sacked. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, I Here's one that I think, um, uh, you know, I don't think it's that bold of a prediction, but um, I like Frio, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Walula, to upset the Ds at the MCG this next weekend. I um, Obviously, I, you know, whether I agree with it or disagree with it, it does look like Lockie Hunter will probably had the suspension upheld. Clayton Oliver did a hammy on the weekend. Uh, I right. think, uh, I think, and with Frio winning three on the trot, I reckon that uh, they might be a sneaky chance against Melbourne on the road. Now, again, they are, uh, uh, like I said, Frio is playing a very scrappy brand of footy. It hasn't always been pretty. And I think you do need to play pretty footy to beat Melbourne as uh, as poor Adelaide showed on the weekend. But no, I think the doctors could actually get there. And if, and if they beat Melbourne, uh, a week after beating Geelong, I think we can start talking about the Dockers as as being a, a legitimate threat in September. So we'll see how it goes, as usual. And what are you thinking, Ben? It's weird. I, I've been looking at, you know, just the the way that people have been tipping these games. I'm surprised to see it, it to be about 60-40 with, uh, with Sydney, like people tipping Sydney, 60 to 40 over Carlton uh, in that Marnbrook game on Friday. I know that the Swans tend mm-hmm. to lift at home and they have all the advantages of playing that shorter ground, but I feel like the Blues have got to lift at some point. I'm not sure if that's, you know, a crazy bold prediction, though. I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, the Giants beat the Cats or the Crows beat the Lions. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have a real shock of the round, I guess. It- could be the game in Darwin going any which way. Maybe. I could be. Could I would be. love for I would love for Mal Rosas and uh, and hopefully Joel Jeffrey gets in as well to be able to lift again in the top end. And we'll really see what this Suns group right now is made of. Still without Tuke Miller, of course, because it's a challenge to play on a longer ground. But they passed that test last year with flying colors. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think. Um... And, and, and uh, again, you know, the Suns faded away against the Lions. You know, Brisbane's kind of had their number in the Q clash the last several years. But and much more competitive the past two Q clashes, though. Round 19 last year, and then this one was good for three quarters, and Bailey Humphrey had his most complete game yet. And that got stuck in it, despite Noah Anderson not being anything stellar. Damn it, Ben. I was about to mention Bailey Humphrey. But, yeah, no, he <laughs> He's been looking good. Uh, ben King has look, looked really good since he's been back. Um, no, I think, um, uh, again, even without Anderson and, and Miller, their midfield is they're, – they're doing their best. They're hanging in there. Again, Brisbane, uh, you know, really pulled away there in the fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, you know, if, if they can beat the Doggies in Darwin, then their season's back on track again. I just um, – I think, uh, yeah, that, that one could go either way. I do also – have my eye on again giants cats can can gws take that positive momentum from being neck and neck with st kilda and turning a close loss into a close win and um also i think um i think yes yeah, sydney carlton i ugh, i i think does either team want to win that game i think carlton is just they just stagnated so badly in the last month yeah, or so that's true that's true 
Now there's one game there's there's one game that we haven't mentioned yet. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, I usually make one tip out there that is kind of like that you're kidding me. That's the game you're going to tip that way? Is it Richmond and Port? No. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I'm thinking I might go with Hawthorne against St. Kilda this week. Uh I I don't know. I I, I, I just I just and which is going to really tick off some of my uh, my fellow cat supporters, you know, cuz I know that, you know, they're supposed to despise Hawthorne, but uh I mean, I, I think um I I think, you know, uh uh if Mitch Lewis kicks six goals again, then maybe, but I I I don't think uh you can really get too much out of Hawthorne's uh absolute demolition of West Coast. Oh no, I I agree with you there, but I I I, I do I you know, yeah, I, I've I've tipped North a couple times this year, and they and they actually surprisingly won. And of course, and I did for a couple right. more weeks, and they were getting absolutely drubbed. But I usually well, make I one. Think, um, I think St. Kilda, you know, they're outside the top four for the first time in a while. And right, I right. You know, again, they they're right above the doggies, and they're right below the D's right now on the ladder. Yeah. So I think uh, you know, if they can get some percentage against Hawthorne. They very much will want to. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I think St. Hilda will will uh, pull, pull off the back to back wins. But you never know. I do think Hawthorne is is they're they're building some decent momentum. It's just a question of you know, hey, they've got that the one monkey off their back. They're not gonna get the spoon this year. Yeah. So I think I think they'll 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 compete. But I I still see St. Hilda pulling away from that one in the second half probably. I'm just looking at the uh, the times on those because that's an 11:40. That's I guess that's one of the perks of in in some ways that you know the the early games or the late at night games are kind of you know evening games for you guys out on the West Coast because that'll be an 8:45 start. Yeah, um, um, the best ones for me uh, or for me and Ben because uh, we're both at, uh, on Pacific time 8 8 10 p.m. for on uh, Saturday for Port Richmond. 10 yeah. 20 for North Collingwood and 11 yeah. for Brisbane Adelaide. So, yeah. right, right. I hope that Port and Richmond game delivers because ever since we start, ever since Ethan and I started watching in 2020, every single Port Richmond matchup has delivered in some way, shape, or form. That game in 2020, I remember, was the one that really hooked me on the sport. I still remember Tom Rockliffe getting a 100 meter penalty from uh, Dustin Martin and Josh Caddy, and then just yeah. how it, and just loving the Adelaide Oval crowd, even though it was, you know, obviously smaller because it was 2020. Yeah. I want that game to deliver. I want Richmond to, you know, come in motivated. Obviously I, I hope they will. So at that point in time, had you made the decision to be an Eagles supporter already? Uh, it or hadn't clicked free- super quickly. I think it clicked some, it might've clicked, you know, with that, that finals loss uh, okay. in, uh, in 2020, even though, Mason played well, and I had to respect that. Yeah. Um, but pr- probably like learning about the kind of the battles with Collingwood, and then going on early in the 2021 season helped cement it. That was also around the time when my mom's friend shipped out some Eagles gear to me. Okay, well that always helps too. Yeah, that helps. That's uh... Ethan had Ethan had been solid on the Cats by then, and he he didn't have Grian at that time yet, though, did he? Uh, he we got Grian in uh, November of 2020. Okay. okay. So it was uh, it was shortly after the season. What what he's always said is that is two great two great things happened for us in 2020. We discovered the footy, mm-hmm. and we got the cat. So it's funny that we named the cat after a footy player. There, there you, you go. go. 
Um, well, yeah, yeah. We just don't want to start naming it meniscus or anything like that because uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're still. I was thinking syndesmosis. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Get a fem- get a female cat, Cindy. Syndesmosis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that might work. That might I'm work. Trying to, I'm just trying to think, like, what what eagle would I name my cat after if I had to have one? I guess at this point, Oscar. <laughs> uh, too obvious, but I I I, I, I don't well, get your line of thinking there. Could it could it be a classic one? Just be you know, Nicknat. Could you call your cat Nicknat? The cat would need dreads, wouldn't it? Uh, it uh, and it definitely would need a, an amazing vertical. I don't know how Grimes' vertical is these days. Ah, uh, he, he's pretty shifty. His vertical's okay. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. I'm sure. I'm sure he can. He. I'm sure he. You know, nudges the the balls of yarn from the boundary all the time. <laughs> oh, he, he loves chasing after those mouse toys. He has a. Would I say he has a unique batting style? Maybe. I'll okay. take the word. Okay. So, um, well, guys. We're going to go ahead and, and, and wrap this up, but I, I appreciate you coming on. This has been an interesting day. And while we've been talking that, you know, the dimmest press conference has gone on. So I'm sure we're all going to go back and watch that here in just a second and see what he has to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best, uh, you know, if, if, if it's simply burnout, you know, I, yeah, I can kind of get that. I've been teaching for you know, almost 30 years now. I can kind of understand that a little bit, uh, but I still, and still enjoy going to work about 99 times out of a hundred days. So, um, I think I'll go with those odds. I would love for Dima to get involved with the media, be be you know uh, a studio analyst because he's he's a great interview. Yeah, and and considering the kind the kind of uh, on field work he was was able to do, kind of the innovations that that he made throughout the 2010s, I think he'd be a really great one to to bring into the studio. And I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll turn around and say, "Now nah, I want to coach Gold Coast or Port next year." If Ken Hinckley goes, imagine, imagine just a swap between uh, Richmond and Port, and Dimmick goes back where he finished his playing career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, no, yeah. I, I don't really. Yeah, he's definitely going to coach again somewhere. I don't really know like how long he wants to. You know, I, I don't see him doing what uh, Nathan Buckley did, just like going straight into a media role. I think. I think Buckley is a bit more of an entertaining co-host, but you're right. Hardwick is such a great, um, you know, uh, footy IQ kind of guy where he can just, uh, you know, maybe like what Ross Lyon did in terms of being more of a stats guy. But either way, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he does. He's got plenty of options. He might just want to, you know, uh, t- take the whole year off and and uh, go out in the bush and just chill for a bit. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I think. Um, I think uh, Richmond will be okay long term in terms of who they select. They've obviously got you know Brendan Gale up up at the top and a lot of solid people in their footy office. So it's um, they just need to fix their draft issues and find a, a coach who can really rejuvenate that footy club because you know uh, we'll, they know what they can do now and and Hardwick had a hell of a run. So yes, he, he did. He, and uh, let me let me ask you this here before before we go. Um, which coach between Ken Hinckley and Damian Hardwick had a better overall winning percentage in their career? At this if point, you're asking this, it's probably Hinckley. It is, yeah, it is. I, I was gonna say, yeah, 
Um, yeah. Okay, what's their fi- what's Hinkley's finals winning percentage? He's five and five. Mm-hmm. He's five and five, but he he's got a fifty nine point six percent overall. Um, and uh, Hardwick is uh. 56.3, 170 wins, 131 losses. Um, yeah. um of course they were famously uh you know, the 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 bridesmaid team because you know they, they could never break through for the premiership until they did. So yeah, yeah of course for it, they they did they did the right thing in terms of not listening to the critics, in terms of I remember when his when I first started watching footy and his job was in danger. So yeah, they uh, you know, they they stuck with him. I, again, I'm surprised he didn't finish out the season, but you know, I wouldn't have that many regrets if I was him. That yeah, they weren't the most disciplined team at times. Yeah, they had off field issues under him, but overall, that the three flags are nothing to sneeze at. And as much as we love making fun of Richmond in certain situations, uh, again, uh, don't want to begrudge their success too much. So Dima did a great job. And no, he did, absolutely did. Yeah, he was 10 and 6 in the finals overall. You know, Richmond played finals eight, 8 out of the 13 years that he was coaching the team. Not you know, that's not and that's not bad at all. When, uh, actually I'm not sure I'm not sure if if either of you were were uh watching footy when when he started because it was when uh because when Brendan Gill came in and said we're winning three flags in 10 years, who the hell mm-hmm. thought he'd be proven correct? Yeah, yeah, good point. And yeah, and, backing, well, and, and he and Peggy O'Neill backing in Dima was a huge part of that. Yeah, Absolutely, that was 2010 was his first year. Yeah, and I was not watching footy at that point, but yeah, they uh, they showed a lot of faith in him when uh, a lot of people thought they were crazy. So, well, Ben, Fred, Fred, uh, Rick, sorry, I'm. It's been a long day. It's Frederick, but I'm going to go. Yeah, what, Rick? Yeah, good Lord. <laughs> Mr. Shibani. There we go. Let's try that. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on uh, and, and chatting here. Um, you guys have great insight. And it's, uh, you know, it's, you know. And before we go, you know, uh, Ben, where can people find your uh, work, sir? I should have mentioned that before. Yeah. So. My brother, Ethan, and I host Americans Watching the Footy, another podcast. I'm actually close to finishing editing my round 10 recap. This is going to be a pretty hefty one because we go into each game uh, mm-hmm. pretty in-depth, and uh, at least one of us watches every single one of them live. We'll have timestamps so that you can find your team's game quickly. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be episode 99 of our show. And uh, Wow. Yeah. yeah. How fitting. Yeah, our 100th fun. episode is going to be the week that Mason Cox will be playing his 100th game. There you go. That's, that's pretty special. And congrats. I mean, you and Ethan have done an awesome job. Uh, I still need to get on the podcast one of these days. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 We need you to. Guys, you guys have done an amazing job. And uh, obviously, um, you and Craig Egg are leading the way in terms of weekly american footy content you know there, there's hello donnie of... hello donnie yeah, don't forget Coach Hess. i'm actually gonna be on his show next sunday yeah it's yes. um there, there's a lot of great voices out there but um you know there there's never enough so yeah, don't always, yeah, seriously don't forget great. the guy who uh don't forget the commission of the fantasy league yes yeah, so, yeah. Oh, the, 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 the guy totally that broke my not, computer I, i'm <laughs> totally not throwing shade at the swan supporter love you too donnie and um, <laughs> hey, uh, he did he did an awesome job with Des Moines. Uh, they had the eighty thirty five footy tournament with USFL on the weekend. They 
smash Kansas City. I forget who else they beat, but that that's a big uh, uh, weekend on the footy calendar. And hey, Donnie always does a great job with the rest of the Roosters. So kudos to them. And I, I you know, will definitely look forward to seeing uh, what they're cooking up for round 11 preview as well. So <laughs> good deal. Well, hey, guys, have a great Monday night and uh, enjoy the, uh, you know, the, the press conference. And uh, I'm going to take a look at that myself here in just a second. It's a little after nine, so I'll be hopping in the shower and heading off to bed because five o'clock comes pretty early. But I'm off work as of next week, so uh, our awesome. school year our school year ends next week. Although I think I am going to be working a summer job this year uh, for the first time in a few years. What as the local Vegemite salesman? Uh, no, I'll be hoarding that if that's the case. But uh, no, I'm. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've I, I've actually I actually have a phone interview for this tomorrow, you know, but I I signed up now, Rick, I don't know if you ever made it. To, did you ever get to Cedar Point? Did you ever get to Sandusky and go to Cedar Point, the amusement park here? It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I think I've mentioned you. To, uh, I've mentioned him to you before. I had a childhood friend named Andrew. Mm -hmm. Lehman, yeah, who, you have. Um, mentioned, yeah. Yeah. His um his uh, parents were both Midwesterners. His mom was from Columbus. Mm -hmm. and every year he'd visit his cousins up there and they would yeah. frequently make a, a, a drive up cedar yeah. point for the weekend, so well, i've uh you know it, it's a park it's a park that has more roller coasters than anyone in the any other one in the world um yeah but i've 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 actually i've actually signed up there to 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 work is one of the people that goes around with the little the little broom and the little dust thing and just to, to sweep stuff up because i figure i'll get my steps in do my walking um oh, yeah you know, it's it's usually it's usually teenage you know teenagers you know that are doing that, but uh, maybe if if they don't want me to do it, hey, maybe I've got a really good lawsuit I can file and just say, hey, you're 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 you know you're you're you're, you know, you're <laughs> preventing this old man from you know from doing this job. I can do it just as well as uh, yeah, as they can. Although I won't tell my broke my push broom out in my patio day before <laughs> yesterday though. But uh, well, hey guys, have a great evening. Uh, and I shall talk to you soon and uh, keep on keeping on. And uh, Rick, you got to get some more sleep, man. You got to get caught up on that yet. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> okay. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Always Take, care, care, Rick. See Take care, Rick. You bet. Bye-bye. And a huge thank you to Rick Shabani and Ben Castle for hopping on this live episode. Uh, Rick has been a a great friend to the podcast. Uh, and I've said this several times before, but if this is your first time listening to a live episode with me, uh, Rick was actually the first person that I ever reached out to when I was coming up with the idea of doing the podcast. And, uh, he was doing some other things in footy media at that time. And I would love for him to go back and do that again, because he does a phenomenal job with that. Um, and he didn't tell me that I was, uh, crazy for considering doing it so I'm, I'm i will always be grateful to rick for that and uh ben love the work you and your brother are doing it's absolutely phenomenal you, you do a, a terrific job breaking down all of the games i'm very impressed by that uh it's uh it is it's it's just you're you're doing a yeoman's job in in doing that so a much better job than i do breaking down uh games i like being a little like i said a little snarky and doing the interview aspect of things but you guys do a phenomenal job with that so i applaud you for that now ladies and gentlemen if you haven't done so already uh you want to get subscribed to the podcast you can do that over at my website yankonthefooty.com uh 
You can find everything related to the podcast there. If you've got a uh, an idea for a great guest, uh, if you want to help out the podcast, you can check out my Redbubble store page. Uh, you can also, um, you know, check out the uh, little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner or the rectangle on the right-hand side, the Buy Me a Coffee button, if you want to help out the store, the podcast financially. You certainly don't have to do that, but uh, anything that comes in for that does stay within the podcast and helps keep it up and running and pay the fees to uh, to keep the podcast going. So if you choose to do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. I just put a couple new designs for stickers up on my uh, Redbubble page this weekend. Um, one of them certainly is a little bit snarky, uh, so I'm looking forward to some people discovering those because as I'd mentioned in yesterday's episode, uh, I'm going to anger one fan base a great deal with that. But if you want to find me online, you can find me at Yank underscore on on Twitter, a Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook, a Yank on the Footy on Instagram. You can find my name, Craig Wessels, on either LinkedIn or Facebook as well. I'd love to chat with you. Or you can reach me by email at a Yank on the Footy at gmail.com. Ladies and gents, I do thank you for tuning in. Please check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. Reach out to them. Tell them you love them. If you need to talk to somebody, check those numbers that I have in my show notes that I put in every episode show notes. Take care. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. Bye-bye.